Well, welcome to the third message in our series. As Corey mentioned, one another, selfless living in a selfish world. Here's, here's the question we are seeking to answer in this series. And it really, it's the question that all of us answer every day of our lives. And it's this. Will we live for God? Will we live for God or will we live for ourselves? Is, is life all about God and what He wants? Or is it all about me and what I want? Scripture is clear. You can't have two masters. Either God is the master of your life, or you are your own master. And ever since the fall of mankind, we have rebelled against God, and we have wanted to be our own masters. We've rejected our creator, the rightful owner and master of our lives. And we said, no, I'll be my own master. And the results have been tragic. We all need a savior. Jesus came to save us. He came to save us by dying on a cross. He came to save us from God. From God. From God's just wrath that we deserve. He took it. He took it on the cross and he came to empower us to live for God. And he defined for us what it means to live for God. They asked him, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, I'll tell you what the greatest commandment is. I'll tell you what it means to live for God. This is what he said in Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your soul. And a second commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. There you have it. What does it mean to live for God? What does it mean for God to be the master of our lives as he rightfully should be? It means to love one another. Because you see, he said, you can't say you love God and not love one another. Hence, the title of our series, One Another. Selfless living in a selfish world. And the first message is, love God, yes, with all your heart, soul, and mind. But the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So we began there three weeks ago. So so really, as we preach that message, this series is simply an exposition of what it means. Yes, to love God, but God says, let me me tell you, love me, but this is how I'm going to know you love me, if you love one another. So, So the whole series is an exposition. It's an explaining of what it means to love one another. Each successive message explores and defines what it means in practical terms to love one another. So last week, we asked the question, what does love look like? And we answered that question from Scripture, according to Colossians 3, 12 and 13. Here's what love looks like. You want to know what love looks like? It looks like you forgiving one another. Difficult. Very difficult. Because you see, forgiveness is at the core of God's love for us. That's why it means forgiving one another. We, we can't say that we love God, can we, if we don't love our neighbor. And we certainly can't say we love our neighbor if we harbor unforgiveness, bitterness, grudges in our hearts against God. Now this week, and by the way, last week, we, we explored the example Jesus gave us, which was, which was really 
unnerving. In Matthew 18, we look at this parable, what it means to forgive one another. It's this parable of the unforgiving servant. And at the end of the parable, he says, if you don't forgive your brother, I won't forgive you. That's unnerving, is it not? But that's what it means, friends, to live for God rather than for ourselves. Selfish people are unforgiving people. They're bitter people. Selfless people are forgiving people. Now this morning, this week, we're going to ask a similar question. We're going to say, okay, let's exposit love. What does loving one another really mean? And so we're going to ask a similar question with a slight twist. Instead of asking this morning, what does love look like? This morning, we're going to ask, what does love smell like? What, what, what is the scent of love? Now, some people have a very heightened sense of smell. I happen to be one of those people. It is at once a blessing and a curse. Here's the curse. The curse is that bad smells affect me instantly and violently. I'm the first one to smell something that's going bad in the refrigerator, and I can't rest until I find it. I can remember with our kids, we had four, I was the first one to realize that, hey, it's time to change the diapers, if you know what I mean. But there's a blessing in love as well. What's the blessing in love? The blessing in love is that life is filled with many great smells. Smells that bring joy. Smells that bring just an atmosphere and a memory in my mind. If if you come to my home, as you walk up to the front door, you will immediately be greeted by the smell of lavender coming from an automatic air freshener that's right outside the front door. I asked Desi to put it there because I love smells. There are other smells that really bring me joy, like the smell of homemade Italian food, meatballs, sauce, city chicken, fresh baked Italian cookies. That smell greeted me two weeks ago as I flew to Phoenix with Desi. We went to my in-laws home where we went to celebrate my father-in-law's 80th birthday. Or how about the smell of Cuban coffee? I go to Casavana each Sunday morning to purchase coladas and café con leche for our sound worship and setup teams. And I love that smell as I walk up to the window. Now, here's the question this morning. What is the scent of our lives? What, what is the scent we give off to those around us, our family members, our friends, others in the church, our workmates, neighbors, even strangers we interact with? Is it the scent of mercy, patience? And kindness, when that that person doesn't treat you or us in a considerate way, when they forget to do something we've asked them to do, when when that person maybe openly defies us or disagrees with our opinion or we have a conflict with them, when when that person doesn't seem to appreciate how we serve them and then selfishly puts more demands on us, when the thanks simply don't come, only veiled criticism or perhaps even worse, indifference to our work. How do we respond? What is the scent that we give off in those moments? Is there mercy for sin? Is there patience and kindness for weakness? What does love smell like? The scent of love is mercy. The scent of love is mercy. Mercy is the scent of love. And I would say kindness and patience. 
And so let's read our Savior's words, shall we? Let's see what he has to say about this. So turn with me, please, to Luke 6, 27 through 36. Luke 6, 27 to 36. Mercy, the scent of love. Luke 6, 30, 27 to 36. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let me just pray. Let me just pray this morning and ask God for His grace here. Father, I pray that you would draw our attention to your word. Lord, I pray that you would would take every distraction away, whether in our hearts and minds or outwardly, Lord. I pray that you would bring your word to bear on your people at this moment. Lord, may our lives carry the fragrance of mercy. And where they do not, where there is something in the refrigerator, so to speak, that's, 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 that's rotting, or there's a smell that just doesn't fit, Lord, would you help us identify it and find the offending item and find the offending attitude? And Lord, would you work in us as, as a people mercy? Because you're merciful. Because you had mercy on us. Because you are kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Oh God, help us. Help me to preach right now. I need your help, Lord. Oh Father. In Jesus' name. In this text, Christ commands us to love our enemies. He uses the most extreme example. Love your enemies. To make the point. Here's the point. If we're to love our enemies, how much more are we to love our spouses, our children, our friends, our fellow church members, even when at times they may feel like enemies? See, the scent of love in this passage, what smells, what love smells like here in this passage is defined really for us in verses 35 and 36. 
but love your enemies. Actually, verse 35 is really a summation of verses 27 to 34. He kind of sums it all off. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Boy, that's mercy. And your reward will be great. There's our hope. The best is yet to come. And you will be sons of the Most High, like Father, like Son. Why? For He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Quoting from Corey Smidgen, who preached a message on mercy about a year and a half ago to our ministry team leaders, Corey said this, We are called to reproduce the Father's mercy for others. If with our enemies... How much more with our brothers and sisters in Christ? See, friends, God had mercy on us in Christ, and we are to have mercy on one another in Christ. That is what loving one another smells like here. It smells like being merciful to one another, as your heavenly Father is merciful to you, and hence the propositional statement. The main point of this text is the following. Be merciful. Be merciful Toward one another as your heavenly Father is merciful. That's the main point. That's the prop. Be merciful toward one another as your heavenly Father is merciful. Mercy is the scent of love. And it flows from hearts that live no longer for themselves. Listen, merciful people are selfless people. People that are hard and exacting and judgmental and self-righteously bitter. They're supremely selfish. Mercy flows from a heart, a new heart, a heart that's been regenerated by Christ that is now characterized by compassion and kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. We looked at those last week in Colossians 2, 12 and 13. See, mercy describes how God treats us and how we should treat one another. It's the scent of love. So let's look at God's mercy, shall we? Let's look at God's mercy toward us, for it is the new fragrance that scents our lives. And it is the power of God that enables us to be merciful toward one another. So the first point, God is merciful toward us. Look at verse 36 of Luke 6. Really, that verse is the key verse. That verse really interprets everything that precedes it. Be merciful as your Father is merciful. God the Father sent God the Son to this earth, and in that action, and in what God the Son did, God's mercy flowed to us. Love is defined in this. We studied this two weeks ago. 1 John 4.10 This is love. Not that you loved God, but that He loved you, and that He sent, He did something. He sent His Son as a propitiation to take away the wrath you deserved, and to give you the favor you don't deserve for your sins. See, God revealed his mercy toward us on the cross, friends. It is the cross that defines how God related to us when we were his enemies, we were evil, we were rebels. At the cross, God did not treat our sins as they deserved. He did not give us anger and judgment for our rebellion, which is what we merited. No, he gave that to Christ, our substitute. Rather, at the cross, God gave us what we did not deserve. This is mercy. Actually, he gave us what Christ deserved. That's kindness, favor, compassion, acceptance, sonhood. We were adopted. At the cross, God forgave our sins 
thus demonstrating mercy. Yes, justice and mercy. Listen, at the cross, mercy and justice, they kiss. They come together. Without the cross, mercy has no context. Because it's at the cross we find out exactly how much it costs God to give us mercy. The cross gives mercy weight and meaning. I'm very grateful to Dave Harvey for his message on mercy. Preached almost two years ago in a marriage conference in Metro. When sinners say I do, there was a session on mercy in marriage. And he gave a great illustration. What's mercy? Here it is. Let's say I am visiting a city, your city, and I need a place to stay. You happen to be on vacation, so you say you can stay in my house. I say, great, thank you very much. I'm at your house. I'm going to be there a week. About midweek, I get a knock on the door. I open the door. It's the IRS. There's a couple of federal agents behind them. Got the handcuffs out. They say, hi, are you the owner of this home? <laughs> Actually, I'm not, no. Um, well, we're here to either collect what he owes us or to confiscate his home, garnish his wages, and actually confiscate him, take him to jail. Ooh, okay, what does he owe? He tells me, I said, look, okay, I can cover that. Write the check, give him the check. He says, great, he gives me all the documents. The guy is free and clear, sign it, get all the receipts, whatever the IRS gives you to tell you, hey, you're, you're free and clear. They leave. A couple of days later, you come home. I said, hey, you know, as I'm leaving, before I go, I kind of forgot, I meant to tell you the IRS came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They said that you owed them like some money. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you about that. And uh, if I didn't pay, they were going to confiscate your house and you. And what'd you do? I paid them. Oh, okay, thanks. Now, if I said, yeah, I paid them 500 bucks, that's what you owe. I figured, you know, I'm here five days, hotel's about 100 bucks a night. All right, you know, I was hoping to stay for free, but 500 bucks, that's cool. You say, hey, thanks a lot, nice, you're a nice guy, great, bye. But, but, if, I, but if I looked at you in the eyes and said, oh, I was kind of shocked. It was like 1.5 million. And I paid it, and here's the documents, you're free and clear. Listen, you would drop to your knees and begin weeping. You, you would feel the burden of your, your, your debt lifted. You wouldn't know what to say. What do you say to that? What do you say to that? You see, and this is the idea of the cross tells us God put his son, God the Father put God the Son to death for you. That was the cost of mercy. Justice kissed mercy. Jesus bore the justice. You get the mercy. Because God had mercy on us at the cross. We are to have mercy toward one another every day. Even if it costs us. Because it will never cost us what it costs Christ to give us mercy. Never. Never. So point two. Be merciful toward one another. Be merciful toward one another. Be merciful toward one another. Look at Luke 3, 6, 36 again. Be merciful. Be merciful. Even as your Father is merciful. See, the cross is the supreme illustration of God's mercy. Quoting from Dave Harvey, the cross makes mercy real because it defines what it means that God did not treat us as our sins deserve. Therefore, we do not treat others as their sins deserve. It's going to cost us. I get that. See, we've been given mercy so that we might share it. 
Quoting from my friend Corey again. How we relate to others in their weakness and sin reveals our true grasp of the gospel. What Christ did for us on the cross, what we just talked about. It's easy to love people when they do as you say and serve you. But how about when they don't do as you say? When they test you, when they argue with you, when they sin against you, when they hurt you, when they fail to be trustworthy. That's the true test. Now listen, there are a few cases, and I'm going to talk about them in just a moment, of severe testing and hurt and, 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 and trust breaking. But let's face it, guys, for most of us, that's not us. Okay? For most of us, it's just, you're just not giving me what I want right now. And yet we, we won't give mercy. We fight. And our Christianity is tested when people fail to, to fulfill the commitment they've made to us. When people show up to an event that is important to us and they show up later, they don't show up at all. When they, when they don't respond to our emails or respond a week or two later, when they delay in returning our phone calls, when they don't carry their weight at home, at church, in the workplace, when they make the same mistake the third and the fourth time, how many times am I going to tell you this? When they say one thing, but do another. See, as we understand God's mercy toward us, we're able then to extend it to others. And in the process, we're able to minister to them. See, if we have the scent of mercy, it will transport that brother, that sister, back to where? The cross. Because the scent comes from the cross. It doesn't come from an air freshener dispenser by my front door. It comes from the cross of Christ. That's the dispenser of mercy. That's where the scent of mercy comes. And we must stay near that place that that scent would cover us and fill us so that we give off that scent. And that scent draws others to the cross. Mercy received rightly transports us back to the cross. If I receive mercy, it should bring me back to the cross. And when we dispense it, it brings others to the cross, perhaps for the very first time. So thank you for dispensing mercy. Thanks to the wife that dispenses mercy to the unbelieving husband for years, that he might be won over by her conduct rather than her words. To the child, perhaps, to an unbelieving parent, to your your employer. See, do our lives have the scent of mercy? Do do others smell it? Are they transported to the cross when they relate to us? That's the question. Final point. What is mercy's fragrance? What is the fragrance of mercy? Well, if we look at verse 35 of Luke 6, I think we see it. Go back there to verse 35 of Luke 6. Mercy's fragrance. Love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Listen, if the scent of love is mercy, then mercy's fragrance is kindness toward the ungrateful and the evil. If you want to know what the fragrance is, there it is. Kindness. I would add patience. And here's where I'm adding patience. 
If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, verse 4, how does the description of love begin? Love is patient. Love is... Oh, friends, I can't tell you how that convicts me. Lord, why did you start with patience and kindness? I'm many things. I thank God for what he's made me. He's given me the gift of leadership. I'm a passionate person. I'm a passionate preacher. This week, I was sitting with my friend Jose. And it wasn't just Jose, it was my wife as well. And asking, how did, it go, how, how did the message go? And they were both commending me. But they both said the same thing, independent of themselves. They didn't know they were, they were saying it. They said, you know, Al, when you got to that f- fourth point, and even at the beginning, and you were preaching to people that are broken, that need to forgive others, who've been hurt. Jose put it this way. He was very kind. You have a proclamatory style of preaching. (laughs) That means I scream a lot. And and my wife just said, you know, Al, when you said, you must forgive. It's in the text, right? I'm preaching truth, right? But they both said, when you come to that truth, at that place, you might want to consider lowering your voice a little and being kind. Now, here's the sad part. I've got to work at that. When, when I watch movies, I watch what I term justice movies. There's not a whole lot of mercy movies in my movie library. I generally mock mercy movies. Listen, God is justice. And God is mercy. God's not soft on crime. He's not a bleeding heart liberal. His mercy is fear. His justice is fierce. His wrath is real. But he's merciful. And I want to, I want to preach. I, I want the scent of mercy to be about my preaching. That doesn't mean I stop shouting. I don't think I'm able to. <laughs> doesn't mean I stop being excited and passionate. But I want that passion to be tempered with mercy. I, I made a statement last week. Um, that... When we forgive someone, we don't bring it up anymore. We forgive someone, we we restore the relationship. Because God's restored the relationship with us. And and, and it came to my attention that, have you thought about the sexual abused person? Have you thought about perhaps the child that's being abused by a father and it's in secret? Now, I hadn't in detail. I hadn't, I hadn't. Because, quite frankly, that doesn't describe most of us. But if there's just one person here, I could have said that a little differently. And I will in a moment. I could have said, 
You forgive them. But you don't allow them to keep abusing you. And you don't stay quiet about it. That's not forgiveness and that's not mercy. You report it actually to the authorities. And actually God's mercy is that that person would be caught and tried by the court system and that justice would be done. But that's God's area and the court's area. You know what our call is? Mercy and forgiveness. Do you see the difference? Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, not vengeance is Alpino's. Remember I told you I like to watch justice movies? You see, when you read this text, what you see is mercy everywhere. Why? Love your enemies. So when my enemy, look at this, look at at verse 27. When he hates me, how do I respond? You know what Jesus says? You do good to him. When my enemy curses me, how do I respond? You know what Jesus says? You bless them. When my enemy abuses me, you know what Jesus says? You pray for them. You can pray for them and report them to the police. But your heart remains merciful. I've got to work on that. Because mercy, see mercy, it it does good to those who hate one It blesses those who curse one. It it prays for those who abuse one. Listen, if you abuse me verbally, ah. Let's keep reading. It gets even better. Verse 29, this is a good one. If someone walks up to you and strikes you, there are some that say, that isn't a just little slap. That is a right, straight right to your jaw. Others say it's a backhanded Smash to your cheek. When someone hits me that way, my first response isn't mercy. It's to hit back. It's not to pray for them or do good to them. It's to to visit justice on them immediately. But you see, justice was visited on the cross to Christ, so I don't have to get it right that moment. Again, you hear the caveat. I report it. I don't let them keep hitting me. That's not what that means. Turn the other cheek. Remember in the Middle Eastern world, like in the Hispanic world, how do people greet each other? With a kiss. It means in my heart, I love this person. I do good to them. I back away so they can't hit me again. But I I don't take vengeance. I report them. I stop the abuse. Yes, but I am not the judge. God is. See, so often I want to play judge. I want to right the wrong. I want to execute vengeance. That's a bad guy. I love the movies where the bad guys get blown up. Yeah! See, the problem is I forget I'm a bad guy. I didn't get what I deserved. Listen, I can simultaneously rejoice in justice, which God does, but in my heart be merciful. If you rejoice in the undoing of your enemy, Scripture says that's not a good thing. It's not. Because that's not the way our Father is. Like Father, like Son, like Father, like Daughter. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy refuses to take vengeance against those who sin against one. 
Justice is God's. We report abuse immediately. We leave it to the courts. We will, and we do. We stop it. We stop it. Because for that sin to be forgiven, it must come into the light. 1 John 1 teaches us that. But, oh, friends, we don't go eye for an eye or tooth for a tooth. Listen, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth doesn't work because we all end up blind and toothless. You've played that game, right? You did this to me, I'm going to do that to you. Next time the family gets together, oh yeah, she did that to us. Okay, watch what I do to her. It just doesn't work. We do end up blind, spiritually blind, and bitter, and looking nothing like our Heavenly Father, but looking everything like the Father of lies, Satan. See, if you look at this, it says... Give them the other cheek in verse 29. It says, give them the cloak if they take it. That's not saying you keep letting someone take advantage of you. No, it's talking about an attitude of the heart. You stop the abuse. You you call for the authorities to bring justice. See, this doesn't mean that that a government can't wage just war. It doesn't mean that you can't have police who, 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 who arrest the criminals and, yes, execute the criminals. That's not talking about that. But justice is God's, not mine. My heart was, must remain a heart of love. Look at verse 31. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. See, the opposite of that is the way the world does it. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. See, that's the world's way. The world's way is, I, I live for me. If you agree with my agenda, everything's good. If you don't, look out. Do it my way, please. Let me serve you, because you're going to further my agenda. God says, don't do it that way. Do it the way God did it. Do it in a way that is totally selfless. And it will cost you. It will cost you. But the blessings are amazing. I I was thinking as I read this about James 3, 13 to 18. And James 3, 13 to 18 talks about earthly wisdom and godly wisdom. And it says, it says the, the, the wisdom from below, earthly wisdom, is, is characterized by bitter jealousy, selfish ambition. That kind of wisdom says, I'm going to serve you so that you can serve me. Because I've got an agenda. In the church, that kind of wisdom says, you know, you're just a project to get my agenda done. We're not projects. We're not. We're sons and daughters. Godly wisdom, you know what it's characterized by? It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. Godly wisdom is full of mercy. Is that earthly wisdom or godly wisdom? Let me see. Ah, I smell the mercy. That's merciful. With the weak, with the sinful. If you want wisdom, learn to be merciful. 
Because that characterizes God's wisdom. Sinners live for self. That's what verses 32 to 34 teach us. Those who live for God, they do it because it was done for them. So what does that mean? What's mercy's fragrance? What, is it, what does it smell like? Well, here's what it smells like. We don't, hold, we don't hold people hostage to their sin or their weakness because God did not hold us hostage to our sin or our weakness. It either came from Corey or Dave, I forgot which. He placed our sin and our weakness on Christ. And he gave us Christ's righteousness. So God's kindness brought us to repentance. And oh, isn't that the truth of scripture in Romans 2, 4? Romans 2, 4, it says, Oh, or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Friends, aren't you glad that God moved toward you in kindness before you moved toward him in repentance? That's what this passage is all about. Do good to those that hurt you. Pray for those that curse you and abuse you. Bless those that curse you. It doesn't wait for that person to change and move toward me. It moves toward them. Kindness and patience, mercy is active. It's not wimpy. It's the most manly thing if you're going to think of it in those terms. It is the, it's the strongest thing you can do. It, does, it stands there, and when, when it's abused, it doesn't do either of the two. They're both wrong and they're opposite. It doesn't fight back in anger, nor does it run and hide, for example, sexual abuse. No, no, it stands there, and it looks at the person, at the sinner, at the weak person, at the abuser in the eyes, and it does it somehow because God did this for us, because Jesus bore the justice of that sin, so I don't have to execute at that moment, and he gives me the mercy I don't. So it can say, I'm going to report you. But I'm praying for your soul. It's mercy to report that person. It's kindness to report that person. But my heart, my heart, is that they would be blessed, not cursed. Because God moved toward me in kindness before I moved toward him in repentance. In fact, if he would not have moved toward me in kindness, I would have never moved toward him in repentance. Will you move toward that person in your life with whom you have a conflict today? Anger. That person who in your mind is ungrateful, unkind, maybe even evil. Who knows? Maybe your kindness to the ungrateful and evil may be what leads them to repentance. Oh, th- th- this, this one scripture just jumped out at me. It's in 2 Corinthians 2, and I do want you to turn there. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16 says the following. But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death and to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? 
Your mercy, listen, justice is up to the state. It's up to God. We bring mercy, and who knows, that mercy is the fragrance of God to them. And if they do not repent, and if they harden their heart, then it will be a fragrance of death to them. But our heart can never be good for them. Our heart is, oh, I weep. Jesus came and looked at the city. I weep for you, Jerusalem. God came with compassion, with kindness, with patience. Oh, I so lack this, guys. I'm preaching it to you about Pray for me. But if, if we're to be godly, with godly wisdom, mercy must be the scent of our wisdom. The fragrance of our love. As I said, most of us, the context for all this is not some horrible sexual abuse or physical abuse. No. For most of us, the context is, is where we get to exercise mercy and patience and kindness. It, it, it's, it, it's most often in the weaknesses. Not even of others. The weaknesses of others. We just have weaknesses, man. We just have limitations. We just do things that bug each other. Weaknesses of others are ordained by God to help us learn patience and kindness. To help us exercise mercy so that that air freshener, that dispenser can release the lavender, the mercy, that scent that comes on our culture and says, wow, that smells for some say to life. That's God and to others mock it to death. Let God sort that part out. You keep dispensing mercy. Mercy says my love will not be conditional on your change in an area of weakness. Oh, friends. God help us when people are just weak they miss the shot they just can't shoot it they strike out they keep forgetting they keep misplacing they never put the toilet seat down I mean we laugh but it, it betrays us doesn't it How do we respond? See, see, that weakness is designed to build godliness in us that accumulates treasure. Don't you see that in verse 35? It says, look, but love your enemies and do good and lend. Expect nothing in return. Do you live your life thinking people just owe you? God says, no, you give expecting nothing in return. Why? Because your reward isn't here. It's there. The best is yet to come. Oh, I believe this is Dave. Mercy stirs a heart of sympathy toward one another rather than of self-righteous impatience. Oh, friends, if there's one thing that marks Miami, it is, it is impatient unkindness. When that light turns green, three people are beeping. I mean, you have to be a drag strip racer with split-second reactions. If you're not, boom, you're gone. And the fingers are coming out. People are screaming. It's, it's just like, get out of my way. Impatience and unkindness. But it's not just out there. It's right here. It's here. When people don't change as fast as I would want them to change. Now I'm a self-righteous hypocrite because I don't change as fast as I should change. Oh, quoting Dave, mercy is a train that tows sympathy behind it. Mercy is a train that tows sympathy behind it. Are you sympathetic toward others? What they're going through. Selfish people are very unsympathetic. 
Selfless people are very sympathetic. I, I went to the DMV the other day. I had to renew my license because I had renewed it 10 years ago via uh, online or five years ago online and I used an old picture. So my picture looks like I'm in high school. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I look like Joey. I mean, Joey and I do look a lot alike when I was young and thin and, you know, my hair was dark. So, so I, I just totally forgot that because of 9-11, you basically have to have your eyeball retina scan, your fingertips, you know, everything. It's just like, so I go there and they need a social security card. I'm 55. I lost that thing when I was like 22. <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, I have, I've got, I, I, I was an officer in the army. Here's my passport. Here's my birth certificate. Here are 15,000 bills. I live right over there. Look at me, okay? I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm, what are you doing? You know, it's just like, what are you asking? You're not going to, I can't do this right now? Oh. If you would have walked by me at that point, you would have gone. I don't smell love here. You know what's sad? You know what is, and she might have been, oh, even better. Oh my. So what do you do? I'm a pastor. She was kind to me. She was kind to me. I didn't think this poor lady, the DMV, the DMV is like, it's like descending into something. I'm not sure what. It's, people are ready to stab each other, get in line. I mean, you know, big boy, yeah, I'm looking back at big boy. He's got some stories for you. I mean, it's crazy. This poor lady works here. You know what my attitude was? Here's my agenda, lady. Serve my agenda, or you're going to get my wrath. So opposite. God said, here's my agenda. And we didn't serve it. And we get his mercy, and his son got his wrath. You know, and and you think, why do you bring up the DMV? Because let me tell you something. God uses the little things in life to work this in us, so that when the bigger things do come, we're ready. Listen, the key to sanctification is the details of your life every day. Find where God's working. On the palmetto, in the DMV, in the grocery, whatever. You fill in the blank. The little things you think aren't that important are really important. Pay attention. God's giving you a lesson. Oh, I just got to share one more. I got a little time. No, I don't don't have time. So how do you respond to limitations in others? With patience and understanding and sympathetic approval? When, when others are weak or disappoint or don't fulfill what you think they should do, what do they get from you? Do they get the scent of mercy, of lavender, or do they get the scent of disapproval and impatience and unkindness and cutting words? See, friends, the purpose of mercy isn't to get the job done. It's not to produce results. 32 to 34 teaches that. We don't give mercy to get something back. We give expecting nothing back. Because the reward's in heaven. Mercy triumphs over judgment. We can show mercy to others because God has shown mercy toward us. We were the ungrateful, evil ones spoken of in verse 35 
who now know his mercy solely because he took the first step. He loved us. He blessed us when we were cursing him so that we might display and give off the fragrance of mercy. The mercy of God in Christ, the very gospel, is what gives us the power to forgive, to show mercy toward others. So the fragrance of love is mercy. And it is a pleasing fragrance to God. It's an aroma to God. It's an aroma to others. The opposite is the stench of hatred, self-love. Bitterness, unkindness, impatience, unforgiveness. It's a stench in God's nostrils. When I walk into my, to my front door, those of you who know where I live, I'm mostly greeted with the scent of lavender. But every once in a while, because of some little creatures that live next door, I'm greeted with the stench of cat feces, which is the worst for me. I just... <laughs> and so, in that moment in your life, when normally you're characterized by the aroma of lavender, and most of you are. But you know when the other gets in there. See, what I do, I, dr- I drop all my stuff, and I go looking. It's using the flower beds, and I find it. And I'm working on having a better attitude about this. And what do I do? I get it out of there. Get it out of there. So, so when that stench comes into your life, Get it out of there. Forgive one another. As God in Christ forgave you. And you know, there's sometimes I've got some smells in my life that I've just gotten used to. They call it body odor for a reason. And I'll be out working, mowing the lawn, and, and I'll come in. It's maybe, you know, late afternoon, whatever. I'm usually sometimes on a Saturday and, and I'm all, you know, and, I, and the gators are on. I just want to plop down on the couch and turn on the TV and Desi goes, stop. Right now, go upstairs and take a shower. Because I don't smell me, but she's smelling me. Does your life pass the smell test? If it doesn't, Allow the clean waters of God's word to wash over you. May the blood of Christ cleanse you of the foul stench of unmerciful, unkind, and impatient hearts. Dear friends, God has been merciful, very patient and kind with you. It's time that you are merciful, patient, and kind with one another. It's possible because of the cross. Christ's mercy toward us at the cross, his sacrifice for our sins at the cross, makes it possible for us to have mercy towards others. It empowers us to be merciful toward one another. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that at this moment, as the worship team is is moving up, Lord, as, as the ushers begin to prepare for communion, Lord, I pray at this moment that you would capture hearts undistractedly, Lord God. That it would just be as if it were just me and you, Lord, in this room right now. I, I don't, there's no one else in here. There's nothing else even happening. That even my voice would be, as it were, just your voice speaking to them right now. And you wanting, oh Lord, to, to point out, to have them open the refrigerator and say, listen, that smell, stop, stop uh, avoiding it. Stop ignoring it. It's there. It's that can. It's it's that container. 
It's that attitude. It's that person. It's that conflict. And that they would allow you to take it out. They would allow you to change. They would allow you to get rid of it. That your kindness would lead them to repentance so that they could be kind and merciful to others. Lord, as we approach your table, the only reason we can approach is because you washed us clean of the foul stench of our rebellion and evil, ungrateful hearts. And you did it while we were still evil and ungrateful and unkind and your enemies. You moved toward us before we ever moved toward you. This is hard for us to do, God. Help us to do it, Lord. Help us to do it, Father. Ushers, please come down as they're coming down. Wait, don't serve them yet, but just come on down. Let me read a scripture to you. I didn't tell you about this beforehand, but if you can get Romans 5, verses 1 to 11 up. Romans 5, 1 to 11 up. Just listen or read along this scripture that speaks of God moving toward us while we were yet unkind, ungrateful, and evil toward Him. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Why? 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 Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. How was God's love poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit? Through some mystical, magical act? He could have done it that way, but He didn't. Listen to how He did it. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For the ungodly. That's us. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But no, God, God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore, we have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies, while we were enemies, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. That reconciliation was received at the place of the cross and we celebrated at the table of friendship with God. Where God invites us, his former enemies, to come and eat the meal of friendship and fellowship and peace with him. While the ushers are serving us, the worship team will lead us in a song that draws our hearts and minds to the cross.